All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a new episode of Pod by the Bay. I'm your host, Nathan Bond, joined alongside me, Seth Barnador and Robert Stieg. Uh, guys, it's been, it was an action packed weekend in weeks since the last time we spoke. USF uh, men's basketball secured a couple wins. Um, women's basketball uh, lost again. Uh, football had some additions. Um, so we figured we kind of jump right into it and get it going with some football talk. Um, USF had been without a defensive backs coach, a corners backs coach to be more specific, uh, for a few weeks after Steve, uh, so astutely pointed out that Matt Burkett was no longer on staff. Uh, and Steak, the very first name, and quite frankly, the only name that you mentioned, is now the new cornerbacks coach, who is Demarcus Van Dyke. Look at that! Yeah, finally, it only finally. took them. It only took them an, another year to hire him. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's funny that uh, two. Uh, Two hires who are now position coaches that we thought uh, were going to be position coaches last year, right? Jack Taylor now at tight ends coach. We figured when I think he was like one of the first hires by head coach Alex Golish. We're like, okay, he could probably be a tight ends coach. Nope, waits a year. Now he's a tight ends coach. Same with Demarcus Van Dyke. I think there were some flirtations last year. Uh, he stayed at FIU and now he is the cornerbacks coach um, a year later. Uh, massive get for this staff to uh, be able to dip into the Miami Dade, Fort Lauderdale area uh, where historically um, USF has had great success pulling guys out of there and having success on the field as a result. Yeah. If you want any Testament to uh, coach DeMarcus's footprint there, go on to USF's tweet announcing uh, DeMarcus Van Dyke is the new cornerbacks coach and check the quote tweets and check the replies and check out how many Miami area coaches, assistant coaches, fathers of players, brothers of players and former players, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this, this guy is not only one of the best recruiters in the state of Florida. He's one of the most beloved people in the state of Florida. There is not a single soul who says anything bad about him from the recruiting trail to the coaching side of things, to former players that interacted with them. And his recruiting prowess is just kind of the, the plus in this all. Um, he was the main recruiter for many of Miami's top targets uh, during his time as a off-field assistant there, uh, where he stayed extremely loyal to the Hurricanes. Um, eventually found his way at, at Florida International in a more on-the-field uh, you know, more visible role, and now is is finally in Tampa after uh, a whirlwind of changes over the last 365 days. So uh, fantastic get uh, one way or another. I think he's going to pair extremely well with James Rowe um, in that passing game uh, for, for defense and hopefully be able to resolve things. And USF knew what they were doing uh, immediately because they basically had coach DVD go to Miami like instantly and also go talk to the recruits and the cornerbacks and, you know that his impact will be felt very quickly. Yeah, he's a he's a young guy. He's thirty five or thirty six, something like that. Uh, I consider that to be very young because I'm in a similar age range. Um, 
Uh, he signed. So while he was at Miami, signed four four stars. Um, he was the primary secondary recruiter. Really good recruiter. Uh, also, you know, Steve mentioned he's kind of on field and off field there. Um, when he was off field, he was thought to be responsible for getting Cormani McLean to commit to Miami. He was kind of a guy that was big in that recruitment. Um, or and then I think he went to FIU shortly later. And then Kormani McLean, I don't know. I'm not sure what the exact timeline, but I remember him being kind of important in that recruitment. He obviously, McLean obviously ends up flipping to Colorado, but I'm not sure if he was gone or not already, but I just remember his name coming up there as well. So uh, interesting kind of resume in terms of um, played at Miami. So obviously you have that connection, uh, but also ran track in Miami. And then he ran a, Four two eight at the combine, and you'll never guess who drafted him after running a four two eight at the combine. Al Davis, maybe the, <laughs> the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> so he, he played in the NFL six years. I'm kind of going through his bio here, but um, the, the interesting part to me is you know he was off field, like Steve mentioned, he was off field at Miami and on the field. So he kind of did both. Um, came on as a quality control guy, then moved to he was uh, the assistant director of recruiting, and then was cornerbacks coach, uh, then I think went back off field and then was at FIU this past year. Uh, so a really interesting resume and like Steaks have really well liked down there. And he's not just a guy that like coached down there, but being a guy that came through kind of up through there, played at pace. Um, you know, I, I think that's helpful too, in terms of how you can sell yourself. You play in the NBA or an NBA, you play in the NFL, but you, you came up through kind of, Similar, uh, similar stuff to the guys you're going to be recruiting, so you can really sell that. And he's already got, you know, one of the top tweets from uh, a USF coach I've ever seen. So uh, he's that. off to a, he's off to a fast start. If you guys didn't see it, his son uh, Demarcus Van Dyke uh, Jr. Uh, was at USF, uh, you know, in, you know, in the regalia, in the uniforms, and uh, DVD. Uh, Quote retweets it and says, uh, "You better commit, or I'm taking the PS5." So so good. I mean, that's that's a that's a damn fine uh, way to start your ten tenure here at, at USF. Um, another piece of news that was kind of quite literally buried in that Demarcus Van Dyke release is uh, the date of spring practice starting uh, March fifth. That is a Tuesday, March 5th. Uh, USF spring break is that following week, uh, March 11th through the 15th. Um, so just doing some basic math, um, if we're, we're presuming and we're assuming the 30-day window to get 15 practices in during spring is still a thing. Um, so if someone can fact check, the, fact check, uh, fact check us, good Lord, uh in the comments whatever let us know um we would assume that either the 29th or 30th would be the spring game cuz that's still within the 30 day window it's like 30 maybe 34 march 5th to how no it's 20, the 34 day window now 34 day window yeah okay. 15 on field practice sessions uh no more than 12 involving contact 
over a 34 day period with 20 hours per week of unrestricted activity. Okay. So that could bump into April 5th, April 6th, because the 31st of March is Easter this year. Um, so that, that could get dicey uh, getting folks in. So that, that could help out as well. So it's 7, 14, 21, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. Yeah. So the six is 30 day 32. It looks like. So, okay, so it could be, in that range, I, I'm, I'll reckon it's either the fifth or the sixth. It was a Friday last year due to the Taylor Swift concert, I believe. Um, so uh, there's that. It was it was was Taylor Swift on a Friday or Saturday? Or I he probably it was like did a, it all three. It was a Saturday and a Sunday at least. Oh no, it was a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday because I remember a lot of people. Or no, it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh okay, I gotta so look there, this up. There it is. No, it was yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, you're right. Or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. One of the, something like that. Uh, <laughs> so they didn't want to compete with that, which I get. You know, T Swift. Yeah. Who would have thought that was the precursor? Taylor Swift uh, making sure USF couldn't play football on Saturday was the, the precursor to her taking over football in general in 2023. We should have known. Truly blessed. Should have known. Should have known. Um, so that'll be fun. 15 practices, 34 days, starting March 5th, uh, year two under head coach Alex Golish. Uh, signing day, I guess the late period signing day, February 7th, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? February yeah, 7th, right. yeah. Sorry. I'm yes. Blacked um, out. So with that, Robert Steed, there is a new commit on the board there for is. this USF football team. For 2024. Yeah, kind of a, a a rare occurrence. Um USF added to the class of 2024 uh their top rate or top ranked top rated group of five class in the conference and overall they added another piece to that class of 2024. Uh this one uh James Chenault uh from Jones High School in from Jones. Why am I blanking? Orlando, he's from, right? He's from yeah, Orlando. Orlando, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, so yes, uh, a cornerback uh this late in the game, kind of rare. Uh, but they'll probably get him on campus as, as quickly as possible, get him up to speed. Um, he was a three-star, 85 overall, had other offers from Georgia Tech, Louisville, Ole Miss, Purdue, et cetera, et cetera. Um the uh Iowa State writer for 247 had basically USF and Iowa State. As the two most likely destinations, USF ended up as the uh, the winner, the breadwinner in that situation. Demarcus Van Dyke uh, immediately went and visited him, and and that was kind of you know. You know, the, the... You know who else had an offer for him? FIU. Hey, look at that connections being made. I actually didn't know that. Uh, he had 27 tackles, two tackles for loss, and five interceptions this past year for Jones. Pretty good. He was a really standout defensive back uh, for that team. So really nice signing, really rare. Again, at this time, USF was, in all intents and purposes, done with the class of 2024. Anything additional you're going to see uh, from here on out is going to be walk-ons or potentially maybe even a gray shirt situation for some of these guys. But, yeah, so pleasant little surprise. Now they're top-rated group of five class just got even higher rated. So Can I tell you, so uh, USF's now 47th in the composite. Uh, can I tell you who's 48th? Please. 
national runner-up Washington is 48. Hey, look at that. That's interesting. And uh, BYU and Cincinnati round out the top 50, 49 and 50. So. Yeah. Phenomenal class, mm-hmm. um, one way or another. And, and you know, they did it the right way, building it up through high school, taking, you know, bits and pieces of, of transfer portal. Again, I expect the class of 2024 high school to be done. They'll take walk-ons. And then after spring, after all the practices, when that spring window opens up, I'd imagine there's going to be some guys going out and they might look to replace some of them. There are uh, two things that I'm going to leave in the Ponderosa uh, section to kind of tease here. So there are two additional things to keep in mind going forward for USF in regards to recruiting and what they're going to do going forward. But that is for the special episode. But yeah, all things good here. And I thought it was important. You, I think you put it out on Twitter earlier today. But even when you fat, because there's been, you know, USF had by far the best class in the G5, so by, the best class in the American. And there was some that were like, oh, well, you know, you're not factoring all the transfers. You're not factoring all this. Tulane, look at all the transfers they've got in, right? Um, USF still is number one overall in the conference. Uh, by a decent margin. Tulsa is actually second. Uh, Memphis is third and Tulane's fourth. So when you combine high school and the portal, USF is still first, despite some other schools having better kind of maybe transfer portal or a little maybe splashier transfer portal windows. So great job by the personnel group and the scouting people and the coaches getting all these guys signed up. So good stuff. I think their team talent composition is going to be very high this year too. I'm trying to remember how to get to that on two four seven, but uh, all fun things. This was this was a fun recruiting period uh, for once. <laughs> yep. And uh, as a specialty, as we kind of wrap up the football section um, here, uh, Seth and I will be in Orlando February 9th, tenth, and eleventh for the Nike Coach of the Year uh, clinics, uh, where. Billy Napier, Pat Narduzzi, Mike Norvell, Mac Brown, Steve Car- uh, Sarkeesian, Jason Candle, Kalani Sataki. Uh, we'll be talking as well as Andrew Warsaw, um, Gio Cordoris, uh, Effie Levy, and I believe one other, uh, Jeff Jones. Um, some USF staffers will be there kind of discussing uh, NIL uh, things, roster building. Um, let me take a look at. Saturday, was it Saturday night, I think. Um, the NIL world, uh, bull strength program, roster management, building men off the field. Um, and that is proceeded right before uh, before Andrew Warsaw talks. He's going to be the head, the first one talking. Uh, Uncle Luke will also be in attendance on Saturday. So super excited as well as former bull Danny Verpel. Uh, who will be talking uh, safety's coach at Army. So we'll be there. Uh, we'll have a lot of stuff in the Ponderosa, uh, um, kind of discussing everything that we see and hear that weekend, but just uh, another reason why you uh, should join the Ponderosa. We're we're spending the, the 100 bucks to do it, so you guys don't have to. Yeah, it should be uh, a lot of fun. And then we'll probably uh, – so we'll be hitting that one up, and that'll give us, I think, a nice – you know, they're sending a kind of – the off the field guys to that one. Um, and then there's also a glazer clinic in March that I'll be going to 
Uh, I'm not sure if Nate's going to that one yet. I'm not sure if we can get cleared for two football clinics and back to back months, but I'll be hitting that one up too. And that'll have, there's already a few coaches from USF kind of on that. So that'll be the next couple of months. We'll get some, hopefully, some good information from them. Uh, I'm really interested to see. I would love to see them do a local clinic, uh, but they don't want to sh- share too much on that offense, I-, I think. So we shall see. I mean, they don't even want to. I mean, Ghost didn't even want to share like how the ball boys get are pushing the ball back. back. <laughs> I mean, that's a trade secret. <laughs> so there's that. Um, moving on, men's basketball. Massive dubs. Oh, they the do something. <clears throat> Massive freaking dubs. Uh, your USF men's basketball team came back from 20 points down at number 10 Memphis to beat the Tigers 74 73 on Thursday night. Uh, it was pretty remarkable. Uh, Kaysen uh, K- Pryor continues to thrill. Uh, he had a, he didn't have a great shooting night yet. He still went, I think he was nine for 10 or nine for 11 from the free throw line. Um, and kept the bulls in it and they were able to pull it out. He hit the, the game winning free throw with 4.4 seconds left. Um, just uh, a quality win. And then to follow that up with, uh, another quality win where they were down for quite a while against Wichita state took the lead. And then that took the lead with like, Maybe like 12 minutes left in the game and never never relinquished it, winning 72-68. Um, talk about Wichita being a, a, a massive letdown game potential right there uh, to sneak out and pull out that win in conference. They moved to 4-1 uh, in the conference for the first time in over 20 years. Uh, hats at Derek Sharp for that note. Um, the Bulls are now 11-5. and five. They've won three straight, 10 straight games over 70 points. They are eleven and one when they score more than seventy points. Uh, it, it's been it's been a fun ride so far as we uh, you know get into the late stages of uh, of this season. Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. Um, I think I think everyone wasn't uh, you know fully prepared for what this ride was going to look like after the first uh, five or six games of the year, starting off as sluggish as they did against you know Maine and Central Michigan, Hofstra, and UMass. You know, a lot of people probably had a lot of questions about how this team was going to function, you know, who's going to step up, especially because some of these transfers are, you know, they were plug and play transfers in coach Amir's system who were just not producing, but, Oh, you know, patience pays off sometimes for, for the bulls. And this is one of those prime times that it does, you know, they're, they're winning in ways that I, I think a lot of fans aren't quite used to, you know, I think there was a lot of joking, a lot of, but a lot of serious chatter about, you know, oh my gosh, coming out of timeouts, they're calling plays. Like there's designed plays coming out of timeouts. There's designed, you know, things happening around this program and allowed around this team. And it's, it's welcomed to see, but more importantly, again, even throughout this entire thing in those two games, watching coach Amir's demeanor on the sideline is just, it's so refreshing. You know, I, I know everyone loves the the coaches that yell and get in their players' faces and, you know, do all this and that and, and try to make their presence felt on the sideline and everything. But the man is just so calm and, and just feels like they're like it's going to work. Like there's no panic 
to anything. You know, when when they take a big lead, it, you know, it's there's no panic. It's just keep on chipping away, do the right things. When they're down big, it's it's okay. We're going to chip away. And, and there was no better testament to that than that Memphis game. I mean, down by 20 points, pretty handedly, not, ESPN had it at a 99.1% chance that USF was going to win that game. And I think after, I think it was 52 to 32. And then at the under 12, they showed Coach Amir in the huddle. And at first I was like, oh, he's, you know, they're, they're cooked. You know, he's, he's just kind of calm. He's not really, you know, doing as much in that huddle. Like he's not yelling at his guys for being down 20 in the second half. No, the entire time he's, we're going to chip, we're going to chip away at this. We're going to play good defense. We're going to play sound defense. They're going to make mistakes. We're going to capitalize on their mistakes. Lo and behold, I mean, Penny Hardaway, God bless him, was basically saying they ran the same thing over and over and over those last 12 minutes, and we could not stop it. In basketball, like in football, it's one thing. But in basketball, when you're getting beat by the same couple of plays over and over again, like, come on. Like, you can't you can't say that. Yeah, it's not a good look. The inbound play to get the final free throws was beautiful. I'm almost tempted to do a film room and try to learn some basketball. Cause it was so nice. Yeah. Just having two guys come to the ball at different times. And then, uh, you know, the defense jumps both those guys and leaves prior wide open in the middle of the lane. Really, really cool design. I'm sure that was probably like the third option of it too. Maybe, I don't know. It was uh, awesome. Almost get yourself uh, a free dunk, but get, get the free throws at the end there. So, yeah, that was a, a a nice finish, and it's always, you know, like you. It's it's good when you see like your coach is calm, and then also like he can dial something up at the end of the game to get a guy of that open. It gives you a ton of confidence. I'm sure. I, I know as a fan, it gives you a ton of confidence. I can't imagine what how the players are feeling as the season goes. Like, oh, this guy is really, you know, legit. So it's not just a great sales pitch. He can he can coach it up. So, um. Yeah, man, that's awesome. It's good to see, and there's a lot of excitement right now about basketball. I don't want to say that last free throw on purpose. It was. It's not a bad. It's not a bad idea. But Um, but what were we gonna say, Seth? (laughs) I was gonna say it's. um, I don't want to take credit for us talking about basketball for the first time in like two years. The other (laughs) (laughs) on the pond, like for an extensive amount of time. Uh, a deep dive into basketball. We haven't done many of those because it hasn't been really, you know, it's been like, yeah, this isn't, they're not very good. So we'll see what happens. There's actually some kind of things to look at. So that's fun. Uh, so I don't want to take credit, but you know, it's, we did do the, the Ponderosa deep dive on the basketball and they beat Memphis right away. I don't know. Feels like there's something to it. I don't know. I mean, it it kind of does feel like there's something to it. Players um, might have credit, but I, I don't know. I mean, barely. Like eighty four percent us for sure, that's where I kind of draw the line. Um, but this team plays. Uh, by the time you hear this, I think we're gonna. This is gonna post on Wednesday. We're just gonna. I'm just gonna make that executive decision. This is gonna be the first one to post this week. Um, actually, we may have to post both if we're gonna do, do analytics and they play a game tomorrow. Mm. We'll double. We might have to double dose. It. We may have to double, double dose. Dip. Double dip Wednesday. Um, the Bulls travel to Temple um, to face the Owls. Uh, 
it'll be a nice another road test. You know, first first chance to kind of get their sea legs uh, after after a big road win. Um, kind of competing against the. They're fine. Temple's fine. But I think they're they're Ken Palm. If I had that pulled up, because it it logged me out. Of course, two thirty four. Two thirty, yeah, two thirty four. Uh, fifty nine percent chance of winning. We'll get into deeper stats of that. Temple is currently. What is their current record? Not great. Not great. Uh, they've lost four straight. Um, <laughs> they I got beat that. by. They got beat by Rice. They lost to SMU. They lost to North Texas. They lost to ECU. Um, yeah, that, I don't. I don't like playing a team that's on a losing streak while you're on a winning streak. You know. Yeah, it, something's got to give, right? Steve? I feel like something's got. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't I think don't it's gonna. Like it. I don't think things are gonna change, but. God bless them if, if they do. Um, with that, we're going to record a Ponderosa special of just advanced stats, Ken Palm. We're going to dive deep into the shot quality that I think probably affected the Memphis game as Memphis shot nearly 50% from the field in the first half when they built like a 15-point lead and shot only 33% in the second half where they blew a 20-point lead. I think there may be some correlation there, folks. With that, tell your friends about the pod, about the Substack, about the Discord, about the Patreon. Tell them everything. Let them know we're, I mean, we're the best thing smoking. Um, but, you know, fun series on Substack going right now. The top 10 plays of the football season with a great write up from, uh, friend of the show yeah uh it, it it's been good we've had the honorable mentions we had uh number 10 go out on uh, the 10th best play of uh of the year go out on monday um a lot of fun stuff going forward and once again if you want breaking news if you want the inside scoop it's five bucks five bucks a month and you know three weeks ago who usf was targeting for their cornerbacks coach. I mean, plus all the insider information that's, you know, just part of the fun. And yeah. we, we built a great community on the Discord as well, um, which has been fun. We, we, I'm sure they're freaking out right now about the Lightning game uh, as it is, uh, I think, 4-3 in the, in the third period. Let me give you a great example of how diverse the community is in Discord. So you'll have some areas where we're talking, you know, we've got people that have, you know, worked in college athletic departments talking about that. And then you've got somebody going onto the travel channel and saying, I'm going to Nice, France. Has anybody been there? And somebody else chimes in with, oh, yeah, I was just there. Let me give you a list of 30 things uh, to do and look for. It's like, oh. Like almost anything you could want to talk about, we've seemed to got somebody that has experience in it. It's a lot of fun. So sports, stuff other than sports, a lot of good people. Broadway plays, a lot of positive TV. Yeah, books. I mean, we got a book survivor. channel. Survivor, not a survivor exclusive channel, but 
I might oh, have yeah. to with, with references. <laughs> <laughs> so, so everyone can just mute Not it yet. and uh, yeah. let me live. <laughs> just uh, you know, message into the void uh, of our Survivor uh, <laughs> channel. Uh, but again, please uh, tell everybody, uh, like, subscribe. Um, we do this for you guys. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but we do need your support so we can do fun things like send Seth and I to Connecticut or to the ball game or to this coach's clinic to report back on what, um, you know, the director of scouting and then player development and player personnel and the chief of staff uh, believe is the tent poles of building a successful program. Or to maybe like a basketball tournament where somebody's trying to qualify for the NCAA tournament for the first time in a long time. Those kind There's, of things. Those kind of things. I mean, nothing big. Yeah. But there you go. With that, we're signing off. We're going to go record another podcast. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. <laughs>